Hello and welcome to Neighbours, the Neighbours recap podcast where we talk about the five episodes that just aired this past week. And I'm Vaya and I'm joined with Hunter today. Hello. Hunter isn't as well versed in Neighbours as most of the co-hosts on Neighbours, but you've been studying up. I have. I've watched four out of five, 80%. And we just ran through the Turner Willis family tree, which took about four hours, but we got there. I've got it on a separate piece of paper to avoid confusion. And we are building up to the 7,000th episode of Neighbours this week, which happened on Friday, and it was a corker. It was a corker. I thought it was genuinely hilarious. We will go through it when we get there, so that's something to look forward to. But we'll start the week with episode 6996, and it's Chris's return to work, doesn't go as expected, Imogen's driven to help Josh, and a harmless prank turns costly for Kyle and Georgia. So we have poor old Josh, Oscar Pistorius, as we, we now know him. <laughs> is in the paper as a suck because he sucked up to the local school about trying to look good as a coward puncher. You've got... Is Susan still editing that paper? No, there's no paper in Erinsborough anymore. They've deferred to the West Waratah star. <laughs> the Erinsborough News went under. Right. Phone hacking. Well, Susan phone hacked some murder victims yeah. and it was all downhill. And I her. think that's what led her to become principal again of the high oh, school. Yeah. So Josh has Toadie, Imogen and his mum, Rage all working on his legal case for this coward punch. Imogen, who's in year 12, is just all over it. She, now, she wants to get Naomi's phone number, who's bottled it to Hawaii because she's in love with Toadie, so she's gone to love rehab, mm-hmm. and Imogen's trying to track her down for a character reference, um, but Sheila won't give her Naomi's number. What, now why, why, what I didn't understand is why is she such a vital character witness? Because so they had a little May-December romance, this little fling, um, a couple of weeks ago, yes, and we're having illicit rendezvous in the spa, mm. and then she broke it off with him when his mum pointed out that she was far too old for him and went, right. you know what? I am. So it sounds like an excellent, excellent character reference. Yes. Yeah. So she's going to basically say that she broke up with him and that's why he was devastated and that's why he drank and that's see, why he punched the guy. Coward punched. Yeah. Well, I just want to show why Imogen couldn't just find Naomi on Facebook. Yeah, I thought that too, all from anybody else who knows her. Yeah, fail. Meanwhile, Josh has been making secret food for Chris <laughs> and dropping it on his doorstep. And look, I don't know many 17-year-old, 18-year-old boys, but... I just don't think a lot of them know their way around a recipe book. No, and I don't think it's it's not helping his reputation either. I think it makes him look very creepy. I've been, you call him Pistorius. I've been calling him Ben Affleck in Gone Girl, and I think <laughs> it, that really applies there too. So he's been making like bolognese's and soups and just leaving them on the doorstep, which I think is a little bit gross because how long are they? Who knows how long they're going to be mm, sitting out, out there? Uh, one of my favorite things about him, not only was he cooking these meals, but in this episode he tells his family that he's been doing it for some time. So he's been managing to cook these enormous meals without anybody noticing. And doing all the dishes, mm. put it, loading the dishwasher, mm. buying ingredients. Yeah. And how's he getting the Tupperware back? Because that shit's not ex- cheap. I thought about that too. Mm. So Chris just got all this free Tupperware. And all this Tupperware has been going missing from Teraja's kitchen yeah. and no one suspects. Yeah. She is the sort of mum that would have had like such a huge amount of Tupperware that maybe it could go unnoticed though. So Chris is trying to go back to work. We know he's ready to go back to work because he couldn't take the lacquer band off the uh, newspaper in the street. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was the first hint that it was time to be a motor mechanic. Plus, he said, I'm ready to go back to work. Oh, and of yes. course, when someone declares that they're ready for something, yeah. they are not. That's right. Been signposted. What's to come? Okay, so Danny is back. She is like the daughter of the owner of the garage, and I don't, I'm not familiar. Oh, I love her. I'm calling her Mean Taylor Swift. <laughs> yes. And she's mean. She's mean because she's cracking the shits at Detective Mechanic, who, fair enough, you know, patched her and then nothing came of that mm. way back when. But she she keeps throwing shade at him because he can't do the books. Yeah. He can't do the books and repair cars at the same time. And that's clear because the place is too clean, she accused him at one point. Yeah. Well, you've had time to clean. Well, that's because the coward puncher came and did it because he felt bad. Oh, right. Sorry. Shuffling around with the He was trying to do secret favours for Chris by, yeah, sweeping. Oh, the coward puncher. God, he is a creep. (laughs) Yeah, he's sneaking into the mechanics. He's such a creep. To mop. To mop and then making whatever, you know, spag bowl. His level of guilt... And, and the measures that he's going to alleviate that guilt, yep. for me, make him seem much more of a creepy coward puncher. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes, definitely. Like the dedication to the guilt means that he'd also have the dedication to the rage. Whereas he was just, if he was just straightforward and just went, you know what? I punched him. It was awful. Made a mistake. I've got to just deal with it now. Yeah. Look, I've broken in. I've mopped the floors and I want to go to jail. But I've never respected Josh and there's no reason for me to start now. No. So Chris, of course, is not ready. He keeps dropping shit. He keeps... Mm. 
putting the screws in the wrong spot. Yeah, yeah. He called the fuel caps the petrol lid, which she mocked him for. Mean Taylor mocked him for that. Yeah. At first I thought maybe she didn't know about the, the horrible accident and then turns out she did. She was just being a bitch about it. And then it. she threw shade at him. Well, we can't keep having fill-in mechanics forever, Chris. And I, my question to you is, why not? Yes. We have an employment crisis in this country. There are, <laughs> there are kids that want to work. There are kids that will happily come in and temp and do the books for however long they need until Chris is right to come back. She d- she did have a good work ethic, though, because do you remember at the start of the scene, she talked about having jet lag because she'd just flown back in from another country to oversee her conglomerate of motor mechanics. Yeah. So you can't, you know, begrudge her that. Um, it all comes to a head when Josh is sprung outside Chris's place with his bags of Tupperware and his picnic, not only um, hot meals, he's been making picnics and sandwiches. He's probably chosen a wine list. He did, however, want to do it super secretly and decided to deliver it in the middle of the day (laughs) while they were in the garage with the door open. So perhaps, what, two o'clock at the latest it was. So, gone girl. he could have just asked anyone else to do it. Go go drop (laughs) drop this round. Then Chris cracks it at Josh because he's had a bad day. He's not ready to be a mechanic. He keeps dropping stuff and he loses his tiny mind at Josh. Mm. So the best part of Monday was Georgia and Kyle are trying to hack into Sheila's computer. Oh, that was fun. over the weekend they sent and accidentally sent a thank you note that was scathing, which was talking about how the lamp that she bought them was so ugly it could scare small children. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't seen the lamp at that point, so I thought it was probably one of those... Like Betty Boop ones from What's New, remember those? Yes. But then I saw it, it really was very ugly. It was a hideous yeah, lamp. it was. But they couldn't guess their password, and I've got some advice for them, because um, all Nan's passwords are their grandkids' names. Oh, yeah. So my um, Nan's is my name, and then my date of birth. Oh, sweet. Yeah. The bit that I thought was even more mean than the actual email was them trying to convince Sheila that her computer had Ebola. Yes. That her computer had the Ebola virus. And then they went on to call it the African flesh-eating virus, which I'm not no doctor, but that seems an insensitive description. Yes. Do you think this was written pre-Ebola crisis? Well, again, it, it seems to be ripped from the headlines, so it must have... Maybe when it was just on the cusp of... I do, yeah, I don't feel outbreak. like they would have written that those and gags, and I use them in inverted commas, I don't think they would have written them that week. Because I've got, I've got written down here, Ebola gags, a bit of a low blow. I guess no one in the Western world had yeah. died when they wrote those jokes. Yeah. Edit that bit out. That's... <laughs> I guess no one of significance had died. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they get into the computer, delete the the mean email, and Kyle, who's the biggest idiot on the face of this earth, does not empty the trash folder. No. And sends her off with the computer, where she can send emails at the bar where she's working. Because she's flat out. Much to the annoyance of Kyle, who's waiting on on a latte. Yeah, which is fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Why is the barmaid on her computer? And then she goes to the deleted folder, and because Kyle's a fool, he didn't purge it, and she is outraged. And there's there's your Monday. We open up Tuesday with Josh vomiting, just vomiting into the kitchen sink, because Chris has just lost his mind at him, and he feels horrible, and yeah, he's mm. losing his lunch. I thought he might have caught a bowler off Grand's laptop. <laughs> <laughs> well, following Kyle and George's logic, it would be highly plausible. Tuesday's the first day that I heard the new theme song. Oh. Which I usually try and um, skim over. Yeah. And I thought it was not great. The, the man voice. I didn't love the man voice. It reminded me of the dude who would be on Australian Idol and be the rock guy. Yeah, well, they've never had much luck with that theme song. And I think that one, this incarnation, is the result of a competition they held. Oh, really? And so the two winners, I think, were put onto the track jointly. Mm. Mm. They just... Oh, yeah, it because it does sound it almost harks back to... Older days, and you know what? What what did impress me though is that I've listened, I've watched the trailers for Neighbors vs Zombies, the Halloween YouTube episodes that they're running next week, cool. with a bunch of dead characters that are coming back as zombies. Cool. Amazing, and they've grunged up the theme song mm. for these webisodes, and it sounds fantastic. Oh great! I and watch that. they should put that theme song on the telly. Yeah, yeah, because it's so much cooler. At least than... for Halloween week or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, I'm gonna. Think about doing a separate recap of the Halloween episodes, mm. the YouTube episodes. Mm. Yeah, so Stingray's coming back. It's going to be spig and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Chris is still frustrated that he can't be a mechanic. And in the course of this episode, Georgia coaches him back to mobility by helping him to open a packet of chips. So we presume he's going to be well on the mend by next week because mm. he can open chips. Mm. He actually now, destroys the chips, throws them everywhere, but then that's hailed as a success. Yeah. So, I can get behind that. 
And him struggling to open the chips is what convinces us that Josh is right in wanting to plead guilty. So he reveals that he doesn't want to try and fight this case. He just wants to go to jail because he feels so bad. Mm. He's a martyr. Mm. Do we still suspect that he didn't really do it? Because I'm pretty sure that's the case. Well, as of last week, CJ, who's normally on here, decided she it's gone on for too long and she thinks he just did it. Uh, nah, tell her she's got to, you know, uh, back up her convictions because I think he's so racked with guilt that he's been painted as this enormous martyr. And it, the way the storyline's going at the moment, he'll have to go to prison, right? Yeah. But they can't, they won't send him to prison long-term, will they? Well, if He's they such s- a dynamic character. It'd be such a shame to lose him. <laughs> can they send him to prison and then if someone else comes out, can he, like, sue for wrongful imprisonment? Oh, yeah. Or he could do a double jeopardy thing and then really go and bash him because you can't get convicted of it twice. Yeah. Mm. Take that, Chris. And, yeah, that's going to keep Imogen run off her feet for her year 12 legal studies. Yes, <laughs> and I think they're setting up because she's been spending all her time trying to help Josh with his case mm. that I reckon she's going to bomb out on her year 12 exams. Right. She'll turn to drugs and then she'll end up in the prison with him. Oh, yeah. That'd yeah. be fun. It's like a Wentworth crossover. Wentworth teen spin-off. Yeah. Juvie. <laughs> <laughs> Wentworth juvie. <laughs> Now, okay, we go into our favourite our favorite gal, Paige, Paige Valance. She has moved in with the Turners. Now, Tarage feels awful because last week she kicked Paige out after half an hour of having her live with them. <laughs> what did she do in that half an hour? Put they, on the carpet or something? They had a, <laughs> a cup of tea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was Say it. no more. <laughs> and so she's racked with guilt, so she invites Paige over for lunch and she goes over there and sees that... Lawrence got a little picture of Paige up on the mantle, and and then immediately goes out and buys her own frame. Yeah, how did she get? And it was a bit creepy because mm. how did she get a baby photo mm. and Facebook a current maybe? photo? Yeah, so yeah, quickly. Yeah, and go out and print it at a kiosk yeah. and hate printed, <laughs> and and had had the exact frame that fit. So anyway, um, now Paige, understandably, this is why I love Paige. She speaks the truth. She she's very reasonable does not want to go hang out with the lady that just kicked her out of her house and is reluctant about this lunch. So you've got Paige and Lauren now go into this kind of parlour game, I found, where one of them had a sketch folded over and then started sketching on the same page and then it made a hilarious... Well, they talked about it as though it was a game that we all knew, but I didn't know that game, did you? I knew it because I used to collect really lame kids' joke books and activity books when I was a kid mm. and do lame. In there. I was like an only child for about 10 years mm. and I used to try and make my parents, like my family, play games with me from books. Oh, just recently, this is completely off topic. Just recently, my friend came over and she bought a Scrabble board game with her and when she opened it up, it was like filled with like 300 pieces of paper in them <laughs> and her dad's name was Paul and they were just Danielle and Paul. Danielle and Paul. <laughs> I was like, did your mum never ever play? She was like, no, mum doesn't like board games. <laughs> you know, in fact, I think I would have played that sketching game that Lauren and Paige played, but I think I would have folded the paper down myself and just tried to pretend I'd forgotten what I'd just drawn. <laughs> tried to like, forget. oh, it's a scary monster on a cat's body. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I used to play chess against myself, but I'd always pick one of myself to favour. Um, it's just a real insight into our childhoods, <laughs> this little glimpse. So I was so glad um, to see she was sketching because, first of all, I thought when I saw her, I thought, please be more journal storyline. Yeah. Uh, but then I thought they'd moved on to sketching. I yeah. I was going to sketch her secrets out. Paint me like one of your French girls. <laughs> then the sketching is is the trait that they share. Oh, so, it's their bond. Yeah. Right. Because um, Lauren once drew this, this amazing portrait of Brad that Therese was always jealous of. And they always came back to it going, she loves him because she sketched him so accurately. <laughs> And so when you know, whenever we see them both sketching, we're supposed to be reminded of their their genetic bond. Okay, Tarage would have had. Yes, and then so that's where we leave them because then we go into Dan and Amber, the kids that are living in their car. Yay! Yay. My favourite storyline. At first, I thought it was Occupy Erinsborough. I thought it was some sort of protest, <laughs> and I liked the way they shot it. So you never really saw the setup. You would just see like the side of the car with streamers flying yeah. off and some you know Buddhist prayer flags. Yeah, I just loved it. Not as much as I love the fact that there were houses 30 feet behind them. But no. And they've been living in that car for a couple of weeks, a good couple of weeks Hello. now. Yeah. And there's been, you know, the weather in Melbourne hasn't been consistently lovely. Mm. There's been some rainy days. There's been some cold days. Mm. There's been some hot days. Mm. So they've really covered a range of climate in that car. Absolutely. That's him, though. Yeah. Old method Robinson. Yeah. Now, 
Amber's been feeling a bit left out. So she goes to drop in on her family and she walks in on this parlor game that she wasn't a part of, which is Paige and Lauren sketching crazy things. And Amber just looks wistfully in the corner like, oh. It was the neighbor's equivalent of a movie where you look through a frosted window at the happy family. <laughs> Except they were just playing a dull game. Yeah. <laughs> They asked her to play it too, which was cute, even though she probably can't draw. She'll we'll have only, another go. She can only take photos. Mm. And she went, no, no, that's okay. And then they have this big family dinner. Well, this is what I found interesting. And then they all start telling anecdotes about Lou. Oh, yes, because they've been Skyping Lou in a sarong. Now, Lou. What's sarong with that? <laughs> <laughs> Lou. What? Lou just got on a plane like two days ago to go to Cambodia, a mm. flight that he booked within hours of deciding he was going to go. Now, I don't... I don't want to be inappropriate, but does it make you a bit weird to think about Lou going to Southeast Asia? You are not the first of the neighbour's family (laughs) to raise this. It stinks of sex tourism. (laughs) (laughs) He goes quite a lot. Yes, see, that's a trademark of them. And he only just got back into contact with Mei Lin, his illegitimate daughter. (laughs) So... Remember Mei Ling? I don't even know. I don't even know that he even has got in contact with Mei Lin because she we haven't seen her at all. No, she doesn't exist. Nah. She's a good excuse. <laughs> I bet he's got a secret family over there. Oh god, I'd love that. Yeah, Maybe. so they've been skyping Lou, yeah. and there's all these stories about how Lou dropped the laptop. Yeah, and then well, I think they all saw his D essentially. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, let's just say the little sassy space cadet is like, oh, well, let's just say there's some places that webcam shouldn't go. Oh, granddad. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. And then for some reason, this makes Amber nostalgic for missing <laughs> for out Cambodia. on for missing out on family dinner conversation. <laughs> Like, aren't you happy that you don't have to hear about your naked grandfather? Yeah. In fact, she gets so jealous that she runs back to the house slash car to try and Skype it for a bit of a, bit of a, a repeat yes. performance. But he doesn't answer. Evidently, he's put on some And then, then her battery goes dead. Oh, that's right. And she's, no, no, no. But also, what, is it, was he going to just tell all the same stories if yeah, she did Skype yeah. through? Just pretend to drop the laptop. Fuck. <laughs> And then we have this really sinister moment. We leave Tuesday with this moment of these these youths, the youths of Erinsborough, knocking, rocking the car back and forth yeah. and shaking it. shaking it. I was watching it on my laptop with the sun shining through. So, you know, when you, you can't see dark scenes? Yeah. And I didn't know what was going on. I've got down, is this a dream? Is it sex? <laughs> she was like violently rocking, wasn't she? Did yes. You, could you see them? No, you just, you could just sense movement. It was probably a couple of the crew. Yeah. Like just jostling yeah, yeah. the car. Yeah. And she then, threw herself around it. And then we that's where we leave Tuesday. Hi, and welcome to Fitzgerald Motors, Erinsborough. My name's Mark Brennan. I've got two years of industry experience as a mechanic and about eight years as a police detective. I've been with Fitzgerald Motors since I came out of witness protection. That's Chris, currently working on a Honda Jazz doing a service. He's an apprentice as well as the manager. He's got a wealth of knowledge from studying auto repairs in a high school. He's been with us since year 11. I'm Mark, and I'm doing my weekly roadworthy on this old Ford Capri, and I'm wearing overalls. That's Danny. Her mum's the owner. She's just here till they can turn this place into a lube-mobile. For Cheryl Motors, Erinsborough, we specialise in all makes and models, but mainly cars. We're just opposite the Brick Brack shop, down a bit from Lassiter's Lake. So we head into Wednesday, and... Amber's just been rattled around in the back of the Falcon. (laughs) And I thought it was going to go to a really dark place Mm. and she was going to get, like, assaulted in the back of the car. But no, no, Daniel appears and yells at the youths to go away. Mm. This is a bit I don't get. He takes Amber home. Well, she she was distressed. Well, I guess. But But you're right, because when they got there, he was like, we're going to go back to the car. We love it in our car home. (laughs) Yeah, and she says, when fighting with her dad, this is my favourite line of the week, I reckon, I belong with Daniel in our car, that's our home. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have that amazing moment where Daniel goes to the bric-a-brac shop where he does all of his shopping and buys them a home sweet home sign. To stick on the window. He's like, I made the car better. Did you make it into a house? No, but I've got a sign for the window. (laughs) I enjoyed that too. And, oh, then the other great feature that he was going to add was Amber was lamenting the fact that she couldn't have showers. Mm. And he said, well, get a hose. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, though. It's like he's a turtle. His home's on his back. 
But why didn't he get a hose two weeks ago when they moved into the car? Well, they've got a bucket because he talks a lot about the bucket. Yeah. The washing machine bucket. Oh, they just didn't go one step further yeah. and connect it to a yeah. hose. He goes, he goes, I walk 20 miles to the well and he fills up the bucket. <laughs> 20, which is just actually like probably a tap in the Lassiter's complex. Yeah, yeah. Not even. 200 meters. Yeah. So they ask Amber if she wants to move back in and she's like, yes, please. Great. Can Daniel move in? And the parents are like, hell no. Hmm. Perfectly good room at Paul's house. Which is the penthouse suite. But Daniel doesn't want to go and move into the penthouse. He wants to stay in the car because, quote unquote, there are happy memories in the car. <laughs> in the car. It's all a good to- all the good times we had out here. It's the time we drove. And sat here in our own filth. Yeah. Slept. The time she nearly got sexually assaulted. <laughs> By a gang of ghosts. So then Paul has to come and convince his nephew not to live in the car. Which is quite a sweet moment. Yes. And Ben's method, Robinson, like a Yuri Geller spoon, is just <laughs> just says, I miss you, and bam, he's back. Yeah, because feelings. Yeah. Daniel is a creature of emotion. Mm. And... Paul is a man of business. Yeah. And rarely do they speak the same language. And once he broke down that shell, mm. Daniel was open to come home. Mm. And Amber decides to bring a little bit of the car into the penthouse by making them the all... The radiator. <laughs> <laughs> But she makes them all a little picnic on the floor. They have to oh. eat it on the floor on a rug. Is that the way, at Paul's joint? Yeah. Because then they start making out quite seriously and Paul comes in oh. and there's some weird dialogue there. And it was a lot like they were inviting Paul to join in the relationship. Because <laughs> he was like, well, just give, oh, sorry guys, I'll give you a second. And then she said, no, Uncle P, come and join us. Already a bit weird. And then they back it up with, just make sure you take off your jacket. Oh, yeah. I don't know why they said that. Because... The jacket represented his hard business exterior. Oh, right. I see. see, yeah. see. Not just slipping into something more comfortable. And I, I don't know. I'm a bit confused because they didn't really learn anything from living in their car. They could have just eaten off the floor this whole time. Well, she learned that she didn't want to live in the car. Okay. But she's still going to marry this guy. Ugh. I wouldn't count those chickens, mate. Okay. It's, no, not, my first not... it's not my first time at the rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we have little Bailey and Alice and they want to go to space camp. Oh, this was cute too. It was really cute. And they're worried about the state of their relationship if one of them gets in and the other one So they're, they're a couple. I couldn't work out if they were a couple. Or they, this was gonna... Yeah, they started off as uh, fierce rivals mm. and she just wanted to crush him mm. and win space camp. Mm. And eventually they had so many arguments that they decided that making out was the next logical step. Of course. Now, wisely, NASA has chosen <laughs> a young woman of colour. Mm. To invite into their space mm. program. And I think that's very progressive of them. And oh, I commend well, their choice. It should be based on merit. Was she, in fact, the smartest? Or? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were both equally smart, actually. They were both the geniuses of Aaron Spiro High. So this scene had what I thought was perhaps the most laboured piece of dialogue of the episode. Sure, sure. When she said to him, you know what I think we have to do? Kiss. And then he was like, oh, cool. We're going to kiss. And then she said, nah, keep it simple, stupid. She's been watching that car insurance ad. Oh. <laughs> Nobody would ever say that, would no they? One do you know what we need to do? Says kiss. And then about five minutes later, she goes, it's time to kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. No. Really kiss. No teenager chooses an, an acronym over actually making out. No. No, no teenager uses an acronym that their careers counsel the, invented. For... Yeah. The only acronyms they are using are the ones they're typing out on their smartphones. Yeah. So that's it. Bailey's sad, but they're just going to deal with it. Yeah, he'll bounce back. Yeah. Can he go next year or is it a one year only thing? It's probably once per lifetime, like yeah. you, once you apply. Yeah. Oh, he might be able to get a job now. Although school. everyone else is trying to convince him that he can still become an astronaut yeah. by other means. Like, this is know. a big one of them, though, isn't well, it? Well, I guess uni. Yeah, or Russia. Might. Yeah. Russia have one. The Chinese, I think. You just got to get into a superpower and then it's all the way up from there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And now we go, we rejoin Paige and Tarage is really trying to suck up and make it up to this girl. But mm. she doesn't want to just buy lunch. She wants to put on a big spread. She wants to make dessert. And this is the second time in two weeks that characters want to impress other characters by baking. Oh. Last week it's we had... Trend. Yeah, Paige wanted to impress the Turners by baking a cake that she, of course, stuffed up. Oh, so maybe that's why does Edamuga think that um, it, baking's her interest? Who? Edam, Edam, what do you call it? Edamuga Pub? That was... <laughs> Egamog... What do you call it? I'm talking about Therese, but you call it Edamuga, okay, don't you? It's not what I call her. It's her name. <laughs> Her name, her name is Rebecca Elmaloglu. Elmaloglu. I'm thinking of the Edamuga pub. You know that novelty pub? No. Somewhere in New South Wales that looks like a cartoon? <laughs> oh, well, people listening will know it, though. Jesus Christ. Yeah. No. Elmaloglu, <laughs> yeah, who is not a domestic goddess. She's a business, a fired-up businesswoman. Mm. She has to try her hand in the kitchen and whip up a spread. Mm. So she starts off just wanting to cook dessert. 
Yeah. And then ratchets it up to the full meal. And she comes over to Paige and says, what do you want for dessert? And Paige mm. is like, mate, I don't even want to come over. Just get whatevs, mm. get some ice cream. Yeah, grab a Viennetta. Yeah, <laughs> job done. Yeah. And Teresa's like, no, you must be impressed. Mm. What do you want? Mm. And she says, all right, I like creme brulee. Like picks the hardest dessert. Mm. Creme brulee it is. <laughs> so she goes to borrow a blowtorch from Carl and Susan. <laughs> and not enough. I mean, finally a bit of Susan as well. Hadn't seen enough of her so far this week. And look, I wouldn't be borrowing any kind of appliance from Carl and Susan's house after hearing, well, after not knowing what the contents of their blue box is. Oh, yes. Who knows what they use items? Who knows what they use kitchen (laughs) items for? Now, we know that Therese is gearing up for making the creme brulee because she's buying all of the milk that Harold's cafe has in its Mm -hmm. fridge. Mm -hmm. Then she's had time to buy all the milk and put up a baby photo of Paige Mm -hmm. in the house. Mm -hmm. So she's slaving away, and this is where we have Paige burning her hand on the coffee machine. Oh, yeah. Well, it was tragic, wasn't it? It proved us all wrong, because last week on Neighbours, when we were talking about how could Paige have stuff up, stuffed up a cake, she works in a cafe, she watches them make cakes every day, <laughs> she makes the coffee every day quite well, and never has a problem making the coffee. Mm. We were proved wrong because she can't even make coffee. No, she was useless. Without getting third degree burns. Mm. So I was impressed that they had the steam coming up to show us. I thought they would just mime the whole thing, but there was actual steam. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of stunt acting. Yeah, well, I guess of the special effects. Yeah. Steamy coffee. One of these is one of these. Yeah. Ones, yeah. Just work on a miniature kettle underneath and wait for it to steam. Yeah. So she's got to ditch lunch because Brad and Lauren have to whiz her off to the hospital. And now Therese makes this all about her because she's prepared this feast. And Brad keeps brushing it off like, oh, she's not going to any trouble. Even though, mate, you were down at the cafe when she was buying 15 litres of milk to make creme brulee. Mm, true. He probably just had his eye on those extra creme brulees. Yeah. I don't, know if it, I don't know if it's fair to say that she made it all about her. I thought she was disappointed, but that was her husband. You can kind of be disappointed about your husband. But she didn't crack it or anything. She said... <laughs> she's, no, she did make it all about her because... Did she? She was a martyr about it. She packed everything up into the Tupperware. I don't know how she had so much Tupperware after Josh was <laughs> shipping it all off to Chris's house, but she packed everything up in boxes and took it straight over and dumped it at the Turners. Like, here, here's the big feast I prepared that oh, no, that's one, true. no one can You've eat. You've convinced me. Yeah. And Matt's there, d- dad cops, just like, whatevs, get out of my house. Um, and this is where we see the diary. Finally. We saw this coming weeks away. Yes, because this diary was written in once, and we know that once you write in a diary, it becomes public property yes. very soon on television. Yes. In fact, I think earlier in the week, there was one reference to it as well. She said, oh, I won't pack up. I'll just put away my diary. And she picked it up <laughs> to remind us all. P.S. If you're keeping a secret diary, um, maybe don't keep telling people about it no. and where you're putting it. No. Because the husband would be reading that diary too. It had yeah, no lock on it. Of course. Yeah. So Therese embarks on a sort of pantomime-esque will I, won't I yeah. read the diary. She goes to the fridge. She looks back. Dull dad's out on the phone. Yeah. And then she pounces. And the diary says something like, I often think about the life I could have had with Brad. And that's all she got. Yeah. That was all that she was got. That was it. And then he comes in and he's pissed off. Very boring still. As pissed off as his dullness will allow. Yeah. It's about as interesting as a sedimentary rock. <laughs> Or a metamorphic rock, I'm not sure technically which one. You'd have to ask his son. <laughs> the nerd burger. Yeah, so Therese reads the diary and then tells Matt, well, you should, you would want to know what's in here, mm. and then leaves. Mm. So the diary ain't done yet. Yeah. The Waterhole is a destination for the whole family. Friendly staff, delicious chef-prepared nachos, and fun for everyone with our dartboard, multi-generational speed dating nights, and medically certified house band, The Right Prescription. Want to blend into the background? Enjoy a mimed conversation in our vertical garden courtyard. Book now for your next event, and there probably won't be an explosion, but just in case, we reserve the right to retain your deposit. The Waterhole. It's not a hole anymore. This is Neighbours, you're with Vaya and Hunter, and we're going into Thursday, episode 6999, one away from the big 7K, and... The blurb on Foxtel said, Lauren's journal is a revelation to all. So <laughs> That's good because I didn't see this one, but you know I'm heavily invested in the journal story. Yeah. So give it to me. So Paige has come back from the hospital with her scalded thumb, that, which I thought was cute. It's permanently bandaged into a thumbs up sign. <laughs> <laughs> to rage, sees Paige coming back from the hospital and she's still 
seething from having read that one line of Lauren's diary and detective mechanic Brennan recently broken up with by Paige sees her arriving and asks to raise what happened what happened there mm. and she said oh just another page drama oh it's not a page it's drama not. nothing to do with her she it was workplace health and safety like she burnt herself on a coffee machine oh she's just sulking and the poor guy's like I just want to know if she's injured herself is she she gonna be okay leave your baggage at home yeah has brad had words to therese about how she's not been very welcoming to Paige? yeah okay yeah and he was a little bit too understanding that she was so quick to turf out his daughter into the street yeah but man she shouted at him a lot this episode Mm. she was to rage in full swing (laughs) meanwhile we cut back to the turner house right Matt, mm. dad cop, yeah. dull cop, dull cop, does the most interesting thing he's done in a very long time. What? Did he yawn? He, read, he read the diary. Yay! He read the diary. Now, did he get a better go at it than uh, Tarage did? Yeah, he. I think he had a good... I think he sat down with a cuppa and yeah. just read a few chapters. She comes home and he basically says, I read your diary. And she, like, flips out. Then, <laughs> Lauren is furious she takes her diary out the back mm. and s- turns on the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> to destroy the evidence. She's going to barbecue her diary. It's too late. Everybody's read it. Yeah, it's, it's burned in everyone's mind. When, when she said she was pissed off, was she really pissed off or was she a bit relaxed about it? She was huffy. Oh, right. She's like, oh, that's my, those are my private thoughts. I'm like, well, they're not, they're not so private that you didn't stop parading that thing around in no, front of everyone. leaving it around. And how inappropriate of her to be telling Paige about all this, though. Yeah, the marriage that you're kind of breaking up because mm. of your own existence, mm. not going so well. So then Dull Cop trudges over to Carl's place. Poor trudges old, over. Poor old yes, Carl. Sir. And they have a D&M. And Matt just tells him all the stuff he read in Lauren's diary, about all of her regrets and whatever. Carl just keeps prying, like, what else did she say? And I thought... Carl, you're not even really interested in this guy. You just want fodder for your bloody dirty romance oh, novel. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got the dictaphone secretly the out. The only reason mm. he was remotely interested. But then during the course of talking to Carl, Matt realises his faults in the relationship and suddenly is miraculously cured of his of his disinterest in oh, this well, marriage. Oh, that's Dr. Carl, mate, isn't it? Dr. Love. Yeah. And then they've overcome enough that he could get around just about anything. Just by being talking near him. Yeah. And so then he goes back home to talk to Lauren and said, look, reading your diary made me realise that I haven't been enough, been a you know, good enough husband to you. And she just looks at him and suddenly goes, it's been ages since we've talked like this. <laughs> Resolved. We've had a nice chat. And then... She should just not write down her feelings. She should say them out loud. Like, dear diary, we've stopped having sex. <laughs> then he'll just uh, it'll solve every problem on the spot. And just when we think it's going to get raunchy, she said, it's, you know, it's been so long since we've done this. And then they kiss. She goes, it's been so long since we've done that. And then he looks at her and says, the kids aren't home. And then you think, oh, God, they're about to have some really vanilla sex. Oh, yes. And Almost. Then Almost. Cut. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, alas, cut two. They're on the driveway <gasps> in bike helmets. They're going for a bike ride. (laughs) I thought they were going to be fucking on the driveway. (laughs) (laughs) Safety first. (laughs) You had me completely. (gasps) (laughs) Oh, well, that's just lovely for them. I feel like they've only ever done it three times, and that was to conceive their three kids. (sighs) Anyway, so he's trying to adjust her bike helmet, and it's all very frivolous and flirtatious. Can I guess what happens? It's, does it involve to rage? Sort of. Is she putting something in the bin? Sort yeah, of. Her wheelie bin. Someone's always him. putting things yeah, in the bin. Okay. Well, Brad and to rage come outside and Brad spots Lauren and her husband having this moment and there is a moment of jealousy, like oh, this wow. little flicker across his eyes of pull up the pony. What, what is going on here? I want to be riding that bike. I want to be the one. Yeah. Strapping on that helmet. And then throughout this whole incident brennan drops around to visit Paige to see if she's okay and that's it that's the extent of that story brennan just drops around and uh, can i say that having never really had any reason to pay attention to detective mechanic this week he spent quite a few scenes in his mechanic overalls Mm. and one of my notes here just says that ass (laughs) so that's my contribution to thursday (laughs) we 
We are going to get to Friday very shortly, which is the nude episode, the mm. nude episode. Mm. And I dipped into Facebook a little bit, the neighbor's Facebook page. There was a lot of lamenting that as much nudity as there has been on Neighbours recently, none of that nudity involved Detective Mechanic. No, no. In fact, it re- involved a lot of the uh, least desirable people on the street, <laughs> including Lou. These poor, these, Cambodian... these poor fans are just like, why can't it be Brennan? <laughs> why can't he drop his overalls? <laughs> And the final story of Thursday is Susan. She's tried to counsel Nate for his post-traumatic stress disorder. And they have these counselling sessions in the coffee shop. And Professional. They Confidential. Are, they are about as exciting as you could imagine a counselling session to be. Mm. And this is now triggering Susan's post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, forgive my ignorance. Is it triggering post-traumatic stress from something tra- traumatic that happened in Susan's life? Perhaps the amnesia. I'm not suggesting it. Or... <laughs> Are they telling us that she has caught PTSD from him? I'm not sure. It I've... seems warish, though. Yeah. Her PTSD is also explosions and stuff. So she heard Tarage drop the pots and pans on the driveway, yeah. and then she had a reaction like there were bullets. Yeah. Going and then on. Carl opened the fridge yeah. and was blown out of it, Private Ryan style. So I'm not sure. I was going to Google it, but I thought, no, I'm just going to let the explanation play out in mm. front of me. Mm. Well, but Susan has been just looking breathtaking in all of these wistful looks she's been doing. Mm. Her PTSD chic. Yeah. (laughs) She just has these these moments where she glazes over and has this faraway look in her eyes while Nate's in the foreground cooking an Afghani dinner (laughs) (laughs) from his time on the front. (laughs) Um, And we we had a good, like, 45 seconds of Susan just looking off into the distance Mm. to take us into Friday. Mm. All right, it's time to talk about the Big 7,000. Woo-hoo. Episode 7000. And man, I I really want to dissect this. I mm. really want to get into this one. Mm. So we start the episode with Carl pumped up about his to-do list. Yep. He has written a to-do list and man, he's excited. Yep. And I think this is peak Carl and Susan when there's a bit of comedy, a bit of double actness. And yes. we're really hitting that with the to-do list. They do straight man, funny man really well. Mm. So, okay, Carl has been gardening and he's ticked that off the to-do list and then he's excited because he's going to make a lemon curd. Yep, and it's a beautiful day. Gorgeous. And he's got to go around and grab some herbs from Sonia's nursery and yep. some lemons. But not before he opens a birthday card from terrible parent Malcolm. Yes. And Malcolm, again, he's been in London like less than a week. Mm. How has he had time to get a card, post it internationally and mm. have it arrive right around Carl's mm. birthday? So he's opened this birthday card and inside is a scratchy. Now, how do you buy a scratchy for a dem- another country, an international country? This is a very important question. It is. It's I've a, never done it. It's a plot flaw. Because he's in London, correct? Yeah. And the money amounts were not in pounds. No. If they were in pounds, he could have had $14,000. Yes. <laughs> which wouldn't have tied in nicely with the whole 7000 episode. $7,000. Oh, I didn't even get that. Yeah. God, how useless. Yeah. It's like... Around about the time that there was the Logies voting had opened up, um, Callum adopted a dog called Logie. Oh, really? <laughs> for some subliminal messaging. Classy. I don't. I don't know if he did them any favors. No, but, mate. Neighbors haven't taken a Logie in ten years. No, not since Carmella's. That's right, <laughs> rotting of the system. Mafia family. <laughs> You'll have to cut that bit out. <laughs> um, I did actually. We did reference it in another podcast, and I did edit it out. Did you? <laughs> I was scared, but this one might stay in. So, um, so we've blown the be- we've blown the beans that Carl wins seven thousand dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. My favorite part is when he scratched it in front of Paul Robinson, yes. and then was all excited, and he was like a little puppy telling multi-billionaire Paul Robinson yeah. that he won seven thousand dollars, and Paul just looked at him with pitiful <laughs> disdain and was like, "Oh, seven thousand dollars, you say? Well done." <laughs> And off Carl went, happy as Larry. It was like Paul had witnessed someone find five bucks in the back of the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Chump change. Chump change for the Robinson Enterprises. Now, a small detail on his excursion to Paul's house is Carl took over, was it a self-help book? So on his to-do list That's right. was to lend Paul a book, mm-hmm. which I think was a self-help book. It's like there's some great techniques in here. Mm. Hands it over to Paul. Why hasn't Carl given Paul a self-help book? What was he many being, years ago? What is he being self-helped for? Just Something being specific? no, just being himself. Okay, right. Just right. being yep. heinous. Yeah. So you think you're a bitch? <laughs> yeah. Um, which I thought was a cute errand. Oh, and on Twitter, neighbors eighty five underscore ninety five said, "Seriously, we need more Paul and Carl scenes." They also they also have a bit of a good repartee between them. 
Yeah, they're one of the classic double acts mm. of our comedic generation. Are they not in it very? They're not in it together very often. I guess they don't really have much reason to interact mm. much. Mm. That's never stopped them before, though. I mean, not since Paul. I mean, Paul's got his wooden leg. Mm. It works fine. I don't see why he needs regular medical checkups for it. No, that's right. Maybe Carl removed it though, and it's a sensitive topic. Yeah, I don't know. I'm stumped. <laughs> hey, just like many of Paul's ex lovers. <laughs> Take that, Izzy. <laughs> now, Carl puts the ticket into his pants, right? Not his wallet. And Paul says, you can't just go straight down to the milk bar, mm. the news agency. Mm. They don't have that sort of cash on them. No. You're going to have to go down to head office. Yeah. <laughs> Which is true. On the back of the scratch sheet, it says if you win more than $500, you've got to go to the office. Oh, I thought they were going to set it up so it was one of those fake scratchies. We've got a friend oh. who buys fake scratchies from the $2 shop and sends them to people. And so, like, she's had her brother thought he, he'd won $10,000. Yeah, I've and done he, that His life was going to change. Yeah. And then she went, ha-ha, sucked in, I'm just horrible. Can I tell you something really horrible that I did? Yeah. I had them at university and we used to leave them out in, like, the cafeteria and then we'd hide and watch people scratch them which is all fine and funny, until one day we the cleaner picked one up. Oh, no. And then just went off into the crowd. Oh, no. So I don't know what happened to her. It's a bit of fun you can have at home. <laughs> you find one of these tickets. Do it to rich people only, though. It makes yeah. you feel better about your life. Yeah. So. Now, Carl goes round and starts telling everyone that he's won $7,000 and also that he's looking for lemons because mm. he wants to make a curd. Even oh, though the curd is a recurring line, it, isn't it? It's a leitmotif. Yeah. And... I've made lemon curd, and you only need about two lemons. Oh, well, not if you make a lot more of it, though, I assume. I guess he's making batches of yeah, lemon curd. curds are curd. So he's swanning around. I feel like he's in an Enid Blyton novel. Like, he's swanning around with his picnic basket collecting lemons. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I'm off to Grandma's house to make some curd. <laughs> and Sheila doesn't want a bar of him bragging about his... No, she's great. Lotto she's ticket. great in this. Yeah. She said... He said... I. Are you jealous that I won $7,000, Sheila? And she said, I'll give you 8000 to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and Sheila doesn't have that kind of money because she just put her daughter on a plane to Hawaii. That's right. So that's a commitment to the yeah. gag. So we'll leave Carl for a minute. He's in the glow of his win. Nothing could go wrong. Well, okay, we'll deal with the really dull storyline first before we get to the gold. And that is Susan and her post-traumatic stress. Is She's now getting counselling from Sonia... Now, Sonia talks about being a GA sponsor in this yeah. scene. What's that? So, Sonia has a past which involves... Oh, the gambling. Drug addiction, gambling, right. possible prostitution. Prostitution? Um, look, it's hinted that that's how she paid some of her gambling debts. Oh, she's and too bad, she alcoholism. Right. So, she's reinvented herself. Yeah. But then, she, now she just runs a nursery. So, Sonia's solution is <laughs> just get... <laughs> she's gone for being thumbed. <laughs> she's gone... She's... Say it, say it. It's, too, it it's not even a good joke. She's too... <laughs> These days she's a green thumb, but she used to get thumbed for green. <laughs> Does it make sense? It doesn't make It's an Amer- you know, Americans call money green, so it's, 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 not, it's not good enough. It's but it's, very... almost, it's almost there. Hunter, it's very clever. <laughs> it's almost there. And I'm keeping it in. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be honest here. Um, my head was down on Twitter. Hmm because I was taking naked photos of the characters that were nuding up and tweeting them. <laughs> and I glazed over all Oh, we this. should get to that, because that is by far... That's the yeah. gold. That's Skip. the gold. Right. Okay. So, Toadie and Sonia. A week ago, Toadie and Sonia had the house to themselves and decided that they would make the most of this opportunity and take all of their clothes off and go about their daily tasks naked. Okay. Does that sound fun to you? No. I would never, ever want to do that. I'm quite happy getting about from the shower to the bedroom mm. while I'm looking for clothes to wear. Mm. That's that's enough of nudity for me for the mm. day. And I can't relax without a pant. <laughs> a relaxed pant? Yeah, with your, preferably. Yeah. Well, we sh- we saw in a montage last week that it was quite uncomfortable for Sonia and Toadie. So- Sonia kept singeing herself, b- making dinner like, at the fry pan. Well, that's careless. And Toadie kept getting stuck. His bum kept getting stuck to the chair. Uh, as much as I love this episode, there was a lot of bum talk. It's disturbing that the bum is the through line. They're trying to nude up to impress some business associates. Do you mind recapping for me yes. how the business associates came to think they were nudists? So, last week, when they were doing their daily tasks in the nude, Imogen sent this client over to get some help from Toadie because, quote-unquote, Rebecca Law is at your service 24 hours a day. So this right. woman opened the door because it was broken and they haven't fixed it since the storm. <laughs> 
So she swans in. Swans on in yeah. and sees them in the nude and yeah. went, oh, this is great. Me and my husband are naturists as well. Right. So she thought she was among her people. Yeah. Right. And Toadie, because he wants to secure the business, says... Yes, we are. Let's have lunch. Pop a look at my ID. And Sonia just looks at him like, I've made a terrible life mistake. Yes, so Sonia, in this scene where they're trying to nerd up again, Sonia seems so uncomfortable that yeah. at first I thought the whole thing was a bit creepy. Yeah. There's that scene where she can't speak properly. Do you remember that? Where she's like... Bleh, 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 bleh. She's in the nude and she's that vulnerable that she had a, sort of some sort of stress stroke. However, the best parts of all of Sonia's moments were when she was just losing her shit, mm. when everyone was naked and Tony was kept trying to have business discussions yeah. with this couple. <laughs> yeah. And Sonia found everything dirty. Yeah. Everything yeah. was innuendo. Yeah. And it was great because she was like hiding behind herself, her hand giggling. And it's fun to watch Sonia be fun as yeah. well like that. Yeah. And there was a cute moment as well when... The couple went to the bathroom or something and Tony and Sonia just got the giggles. And yeah, were like, yeah, no, yeah. get it together, get yeah, it yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. You're being too generous by saying in the bathroom. They just moved about one metre away from them in the lounge room and had that conversation. Oh, right. <laughs> it was like a stage whisper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in the meantime, Carl's lost his golden ticket. Yeah. His $7,000. And then there's this traumatic moment where they think baby Nell has eaten the ticket. Yeah. And they're like trying to gorge this paper out of the yes. toddler's mouth. And you can't quite see what Carl did to get it back. But you know it's not great because then they say, Carl... <laughs> inappropriate <laughs> and that's when they thought it was worth $7,000 not when it was just a receipt yeah oh we haven't mentioned that the whole time Colette Nan is now on the hunt for the ticket too she's staked her cli- she's staked her claim yep. on it so she's chasing it why? she just wants it in she's her hand she's keepers your name's not on it she said <laughs> And this is also when the lemon curd came back too, because Carl jumped a fence and someone said, why has he got all those lemons? And she said, oh, he's making a lemon curd. And why? Look, you can get every grocery you need at Harold's, but yet he's going around pilfering everybody's lemon trees. Oh, and what about the moral moment where, for some reason, he stole lemons off Sheila? And yeah. that's when he lost the ticket. It was karma. So he gave a speech about karma to her? And I'll tell you this for free. Anyone I've ever known who had a lemon tree, and I'm of Mediterranean descent, there's a lot of them. <laughs> My They're God, away. they can't give those lemons <laughs> give away. away yeah. Take lemons. Every yeah. time I go to my mum's house, take a yeah. basket of lemons. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, mum, you only need one or two to make curd. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <sighs> so. So she lost the lemons and then and ironically the became more bitter about the ticket. So she's <laughs> chasing around looking for it. So Carl now has to retrace his footsteps to find where the ticket could have fallen. And that leads him to Tony and Sonia's front door, mm. which I thought, again, massively inappropriate behaviour. He starts knocking down Tony and Sonia's door, mm. which for some reason is locked now mm. since the last party. week. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, you probably would get it fixed if you were having company yeah. like that. Tony and Sonia answer the door in their dressing gowns like, go away, you are not welcome in our home right now. Like barely opening the door yeah. through the slit of the door. Yeah. And uh, that's when Sheila assumes that they are swingers. That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> Who's inside? Are they swingers? <laughs> and I like that um, instead of trying to explain it away, Sonia was like, just tell them. Yeah. Just tell them. So he tells a whole absurd story. Yeah. And then uh, it, it ends with saying, so if you guys want to come in and look at this ticket, you've got to do it in the nude. And which is a great jump cut to Carl in Toadie's living room in the nude. <laughs> Sheila, of course, much more sensible Buggers off back home. Lost opportunity, though. <laughs> that could have been a great comedy if they were both nude, yeah. foraging around for it. So so everybody's now in the house nude. Carl's pretending to be a nudist to talk to the new couple, but frantically looking for the ticket at the same time. Great shot of him covering his private area with a lady's handbag. Yes, there was lots of that sort of Austin Powersy. That's it's Austin yeah, Powersy. Like thing. standing behind a fern. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was it was genuinely very funny. Wasn't yeah. It? it was really, really good. It was good. a hoot. It really was. And then they're asking Carl about the history of his nudity, and he said, oh, I've been nuding up since uni. Yeah. Which I thought, he had quite a good backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was riffing yeah. off of that pretty yeah. easily. Backside story. Yep. And then, oh my God, we get back to Toadie's bum and we have this moment where Carl's just lifting up objects around the house trying mm. to find this scratchy. Mm. Toadie gets up to make a cup of tea and then Carl sees Toadie's rear end, mm. sees the ticket stuck to it, mm. lunges for Toadie's bum. A second time in five minutes that we don't see exactly what Carl does, but we know it's inappropriate because you hear a Carl! <laughs> Yuck! <laughs> And can I just say as well, firstly, I have a picture of as much of Naked Carl as I could get on mm. Twitter at mm. Neighbours Pod. Secondly, Carl basically raised Toadie mm. and now they're spending an hour looking at each other's wangs. Yeah. Do you think that their wangs probably weren't out though? Do you think they're really out? In the fictional universe? Of course they were out. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The actors would have had a patch. Well, yeah. But you can see nude right down the side. I don't know how the patch is secured if they have patches. Oh, there are ways. Okay. <laughs> so naive. Now, later on, 
I believe the direct quote was, it was stuck to Toadie's bum with a thin sheen of sweat. And then oh he God. kisses it, as he said that. Yeah. This did not go unnoticed by all of Twitter, hmm. uh, who were, were repulsed. Yep. And he's a doctor. Yeah. It was a gross end to a great storyline. <laughs> yeah. And then the little addendum to this scene was that the legal couple are now dressed in their, their normal clothes. Toadie fesses up and says, sorry, this was also weird. We're not actually nudists. Because then they've invited Toadie and Sonia to this retreat in the Gold Coast mm. or something. Mm. Galungo. Sonia's like, shut it down. Yeah, <laughs> shut, it, <laughs> That's right. shut it down. But then they're so impressed by Toadie and Sonia's dedication yeah. that they would lie about being nudists to get the contract yeah. that they get it. They yeah. say, start drawing them up. But the great button to this scene was uh, the couple saying, can we get the number of that other doctor? And yeah, Carl, he was fun. Toadie's like, yep. Yeah, no, they did that really well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We are throwing him in it. And I was I kept waiting for the scratchy ticket to actually be worth... I've seen this a lot on sitcoms. A character wins an amount on a lotto ticket and then it turns out it was like $70 instead of $7,000. Yeah, 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 I kept yeah. waiting for that. Like there was yeah. a smudge on it or something, but no. They so, kept it a nice realistic amount. Yeah. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see what Carl does with his yeah. 7K. Yeah. What do you reckon? Any thoughts? Might buy a bigger pen for casserole. She's still around? No. Oh. <laughs> Maybe a memorial for casserole. Yeah. The sheep. And or maybe like um, a new amp for Waiting Room, the band. Huh? Isn't his band called The Waiting Room? The Right Prescription. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I think Carl's real life band is called The Waiting Room. Again, I'm mixing a real life with oh. fiction. He goes around and plays unis. Look, they're giving it up for their craft, no, these right. guys. And okay, we leave the entire week with this anonymous note that Toadie gets sent, which I am calling the Captain Obvious anonymous note. <laughs> because... It says things that Toadie already knows about Sonia. Hmm. So the note says, in a big aerial font, your wife is not who you think she is. Sonia is a drug addict, full stop, gambling addict, full stop, alcoholic. Um, So nobody knows where the note came from? No, that's the big mystery into next week. And that's it? That's it. And it was a great time, Friday. It was. It was just a classic. And I actually, I have no idea where any of this can go now because we've had about three weeks of nudity and I actually can't cope. I just hope next week people are knitting again. There's got to be some people who haven't nuded up yet, right? Well, all the young hot ones. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> well, maybe next week we'll just be a bit porny. There you go. Get what you want, you dirty bird. Oh, and next week, another unkempt youth is coming to town. Daniel's ex-girlfriend, Rain. Oh, yes, Another hippie from Queensland. Much better suited to her, I thought. Yes, she's coming down and she's going to ruffle some feathers. Rain on the parade. Bang. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to Neighbours. You can follow at Neighbours Pod on Twitter and Neighbours Podcast on Facebook. Tell us things we like to play. Hashtag Neighbours. Hunter, where can they find you? Oh, on Twitter at Mr. Hunter Smith. I didn't know what you meant at first. I was like, at home? (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back next week with another recap. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.